Lourdes Pinto speaks to the men of the Love Crucified community on January 11, 2018. Uh, two priests can give me a blessing. Lord, we thank you for the gift of our spiritual mother, Lourdes, for her docility to the Holy Spirit and for their, her courage to overcome the difficulties that she finds in, in speaking to us for your sake. We pray, Lord, that you anoint her tonight and that you also anoint us to receive with openness of heart, with faith, what she's going to speak to us. Lord, we pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit for all of us tonight to strengthen us, to make us the men that you are raising up for our times. We ask through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to start tonight by asking you to, to do something. So I want you to get a, a paper, whether it's your journal, whatever you brought, and I want you to fold it in half and so there's two columns. So fold it the long way and think of the top of the paper like a scale. And each side of the paper is, you know, a scale where you put something on to, to balance the two sides out. Okay, so your paper is going to represent a scale. Okay, so on the left side of your paper, I want you to write down all your anxieties. Maybe it's not an anxiety you have right now, but anxieties that you have dealt with, you know, the common anxieties that come and go in your life. So write down your anxieties, burdens, you know, burdens that are usually with you or burdens that come and go, difficulties in your lives that you deal with on a regular basis or a difficulty that God has given you lately. And also any fears that are part of, of your heart, fears that you see come up also on a regular basis. So I'm going to give you some time to jot down as, as many of those as you can. There's no right answer. Now, you might not finish all this tonight, but this would be a really good um, exercise for you to take when you go to the Blessed Sacrament and actually finish it before the Lord. Okay, and this, and this assignment I'm asking all of you to also share with your accompaniment. Okay. All right, are, are most of you done with the left side? Yeah. Okay, so now you're going to go to the right side of the scale. And on this side, I want you on a think about a regular week for yourself in general. How many times do you attend mass? 
be very specific. More, you know, usually, most of the time, I know family men and, and working, you know, uh, businessmen as you travel, as things change. But in general, what's usually your your mass attendance a week? So put, be very specific. Um, write on a regular basis, on a daily basis, usually, do you say the rosary? Do you pray the breviary? How much time do you spend on a weekly basis in spiritual reading? Now, Daniel's in school, and so, so I, I'm not talking about the reading that's an assignment, Daniel, but a, a spiritual book that really comes your way, one of the spiritual readings of Love Crucified, um, you know, Father, the book, we, Father Walter's book, things like that, spiritual readings. How many hours a week would you say you spend on spiritual reading? Also, maybe time you spend on reading Bible commentaries or doing some type of Bible study. You can add that to that list. Okay, and then listen carefully. I want you all to write down. How often in one week do you have a holy hour, but a holy hour of intimacy with Christ? In that holy hour, you're not doing your breviary. In that holy hour, you are not praying the rosary, the chaplet of divine mercy. It is a holy hour where you have no agenda and you are spending intimate time with Christ in a conversation, speaking and listening to him. You might read something as an inspiration to go deep into an intimate conversation with him. That's the type of holy hour I'm asking if any of you have how often do you have that type of holy hour in one week? And here, be totally honest, because, you know, it's, it's like, you know, being naked, totally transparent before Christ. Okay? And the last thing I want you to write in that column is think about the last six months, maybe going back to August. How many times have each of you had spiritual accompaniment? And spiritual accompaniment is not a quickie that you, you know, do like here and there or we touch base. No, where you sat down with the person or on Skype and you had a good hour of spiritual accompaniment. How many times have you had spiritual accompaniment in the last six months? Okay. 
We're ready to continue? Okay, so let's continue. Now, the question becomes, as you look at your scale, is your life unbalanced for the good or the bad? Because that scale is not supposed to be even. We are supposed to be unbalanced. If your scale is heavier on the left, you are unbalanced for the bad. If your scale is heavier on the right, you're unbalanced for the good. Okay, now this is going to bring us into our first Bible verse for the night. And that is from Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Jesus says to us, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. When I was meditating this Bible verse a few months ago, the image that came to my mind of a yoke was the, actually the cross. I thought of that big yoke, that wood piece that goes over the ox. To me, it looked like the cross. And when I saw being yoked, it was like the picture I sent you, where on one side you're walking and on the other side Jesus is walking. When we're living our lives like that, yoked on one arm of the cross you're at and on the other arm Jesus is at, then we're yoked to Christ. But in that Bible passage, Jesus gives us first a command, and he says, come to me if you are burdened. That's the first command he asks of each of us. If you are burdened, which I'm sure all of you are burdened, because you are men in this world, you carry great burdens at work, at home, very burdened. So the Lord is saying, come to me, each of you, because you are burdened. And then the next thing the Lord does is he makes a promise to you. The Lord says, I will give you rest. Then he goes on to give us a second command. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then he gives another promise. You will find rest. So tonight, I want to focus on the first command and promise because I don't, we don't have time to do it all. So maybe the following month, we can continue with the second command. So tonight, we're going to focus on come to me. And we're going to see each of you have to see the truth of whether you are truly yoked to Christ or not. Okay, so how do we come to Jesus? 
there is only one way through prayer. And here I'd like to enter for a few minutes into our next Bible verse, which is Luke chapter 21, verse 34 and 36. Jesus says, Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise like a trap. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of God. Okay, so the Lord is telling us that we have to pray. In all of our lives, we have to respond to the Lord and you as men must also respond to the Lord to make the right side of your scale heavier than the left side. Because what happens is if the left side of your scale is heavy and you especially do not have a holy hour of intimacy, you are drowsy men. And also, the Lord tells you and us that all of us are going to have tribulations in our lives, and all of you as men know what tribulations are. But the Lord is saying, if the right side of your scale, if you are not yoked to me and you haven't entered an intimate prayer life with me, you will not be able to sustain and persevere in those tribulations. So let's enter the word drowsy. What does drowsy mean? When I just sat there before the Lord thinking of the word drowsy, these are some of the things that came to me. When I thought of drowsy, I think of lethargic, down, no zeal, little joy, men and women that have an anger locked up inside, and a frustration with our lives or, or a frustration with yourselves. That's kind of a picture of what a drowsy man or woman looks like. So I did a little bit of research. And from a source of Catholic Bible commentaries, I got some some key things I thought were important to review with you on what, how, how we get drowsy. 
And if you are drowsy, how you must understand why you're drowsy and how you've gotten there. One of the things it said was, abuse of alcohol is only one way of escaping from the burdens of life. But there are many ways we can do this. Listen carefully, my spiritual sons and brothers and fathers. <laughs> there are many ways that we have learned to escape from the daily burdens of life. As I speak, I want you to think about what ways since you were young have you learned to escape from your burdens of life? Anytime we give, we give into an excess of one sort or another, we begin to let our hearts become drowsy on a spiritual level. I'll give you an example of my life for a long time. I learned as a child to escape from the burdens of my family life by going to sleep. Now, sleep in general is a good thing, but it was an excess of sleep because I was using it to escape from the burdens of the difficulty of my family life. Until this day, I've got to fight against when things are very overwhelming. I have to fight against the desire, desire to just go to sleep because automatically that'll come to me. Whenever we seek momentary escapes from life without turning to God, we allow ourselves to become spiritually drowsy. Listen again, my brothers. Whenever we seek momentary, even momentary escapes from life without turning to God, you enter already a level of spiritual drowsiness. When we feel burdened by life, we tend to look for a way out. That is our human nature. And far too often, the way out is something that makes us spiritually drowsy. Therefore, you have to come, each of you, to know what is your tendency of escape, what is your way out to deal with the anxiety burdens of your life that are not coming to Jesus and dealing it with him. The moment we turn our eyes to the burdens of life, and fail to see God in the midst of all things, in the midst of those difficulties and challenges, we become spiritually drowsy and begin, in a sense, to fall asleep. 
So I want you to go back to your left column on your paper. And on your left column, I want you to answer these questions. How do I seek momentary escapes from life without seeking Christ? What is my way out? What activity do I enter an excess of that is my tendency? I think a real typical one for men is TV. It's a great way to just tune out. Alcohol, it doesn't mean that you're going to get drunk. But it does mean that if you're burdened, you have a tendency to have a few drinks to just relax. That is going to make you spiritually drowsy. Is it the computer? The computer is a good thing. But if we spend an excess amount of time on the computer, even if it's work, because I know a lot of you have to continue your work at home. You have a lot of your work nowadays is on the computer. The computer serves a lot like the TV. It makes us spiritually drowsy because what it does is it disconnects us from the people and circumstances we're supposed to be connected with. Shopping. This is maybe a more common one for women, but men like to shop too in different things. You know, it can be to get on Amazon and look at car things and look at house things and, and look at other things, but that's another escape. Sleeping. You can be like me. Gardening, mechanics. Those are all great hobbies. But if you go into your mechanics, as your escape from the burdens of life, it's going to make you spiritually drowsy. And another question, the last one. What burden is in my life that I do not see God in its midst? Or what anxieties, tribulations, difficulties have you struggled with at work, at home, that you in that difficulty have not seen God in that, that God is, has allowed that in your life, that God is present in that, and that in that difficulty, God is using it for a greater good. If you cannot see that in your anxieties, you got to write that down. Now, during the rosary, Daniel had a beautiful prayer. And, and he said, let us thank God for all the difficulties we find ourselves in that keep us dependent on him. And that's a beautiful prayer. But the reality of our lives and the reality of your lives 
is that a lot of times your difficulties you don't thank God for. And what you do without maybe even thinking about it is that you have learned coping mechanisms to escape. And you even think that that's a good thing because you deserve it. Because you've had a hard day of work, so I deserve to come home and I deserve to disconnect. And I deserve to sit down and chill out and spend hours on the TV because I've worked so hard. And so if that is the mentality, because that's a lot the mentality of our world and society, it is not the mentality of the life of Jesus Christ. It is not the mentality of a Christian man. It is not the mentality of the cross that is called to give our lives for the other. So now we're going to work a little bit because I, 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 I don't know. I feel that maybe a difficulty for the men is that the right column is not in order. So as a spiritual mother, I'm here tonight to, to work with you on strengthening your right column so that your lives can be truly yoked to Christ and so that you, my beloved sons, can find rest and can find joy and peace in the midst of difficulties. So I'd like Father Jordy sent you the Bible verses, and the next one was Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through 20. Now, I'm not going to read that whole passage. Maybe you read it, but you have it in your notes to read. But you're all familiar with this Bible story of Samuel with Eli. And they are both sleeping inside the temple. Now, the first verse that I just want to point out to because I think it's important for all of us is 3.3 and it says this Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was I thought that was so beautiful Samuel and Eli were sleeping with the Lord look at the intimacy look at the union they were sleeping where the Lord was. We have the Eucharist, God fully present. So if we want to hear the Lord, we've got to be close to him. Now, Samuel hears the voice of God, but it tells us in verse 7, now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So God speaks to Samuel, but Samuel doesn't know yet the voice of God. So he gets up, and he goes to Eli. Here I am, thinking it was Eli who spoke to him. And Eli says, I didn't speak to you. Go back to sleep. Samuel goes back to sleep. 
he hears the voice of God again. And he gets up. Here I am, Eli. Eli goes, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. But now something very important in verse 8. Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli guides him to know the voice of God. And he tells him what to do and how to listen to that voice, which is God. This is very important because God is a God. The Trinity is intimacy. And God didn't just speak to Eli and Samuel and Joseph and Mary and all the saints. God wants an intimate relationship with each of you where he wants to speak to you, but you need to come to know his voice, just like Samuel had to come to know what the voice of God is. And that's why many times you need a person in your life, accompaniment, direction, a good confessor, that knows the voice of God, like Eli, that can guide you to come to know how God is speaking to you. In accompaniment, I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, Lord, is, is this really true? I, I heard the Lord speaking to me after communion, when I was in prayer. I go, well, what did he tell you? And they read to me. And I say, of course, that's God speaking to you. But everyone doubts, including myself, when I began to hear the voice of God in my heart speaking to me. I did not know. I was like, is it my imagination? Am I making this up? I had to go through a process, just like Samuel, to come to know the voice of God. And sometimes the voice of God can be felt in your heart. But sometimes God can speak to you through a dream. So many times God will speak to us through the word where he will inspire these lights when we're reading the word of God. That, that is God speaking. I hear many times the God speaking to me through so some of the people closest to me that are walking spiritually with me. That's Maria, Father Jordi, and Father Ron. It's amazing. Sometimes they'll say something, and after experience of this, I know it was the Holy Spirit because there's something they said that enters my heart and remains with me in a way that's not usual. And so I've learned to be attentive to how the Lord speaks to me through others. But my brothers, you must come to know the voice of God speaking to you. Because if you don't come to know the voice of God speaking to you, you're not going to recognize either the voice of Satan that also speaks to us. And chances are that you are living your lives listening to the voice of Satan 
and not the voice of God. And the best way to come to know the voice of God was like Samuel. He was in the temple close to the ark of God. Is in the blessed sacrament right before the God of gods. Right before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you've got to beg for this grace if you don't have it. I want my Lord to hear your voice speak to me. Show me. And you have to persevere seeking this in prayer or you'll never attain it. Intimacy with Christ. Last week I met with a priest. He met a young priest who had just been ordained two weeks ago. He's a priest now in Venezuela. And Father, Father Ron and I met with him. And it was really amazing speaking to him. He is so burdened. He was so burdened, so exhausted, so worn out. So we started to ask him questions. He gets up every morning at 5.30 in the morning. He has an hour of organized meditation in his religious order. Then he goes to work. He's nonstop working, ministering to I don't know how many youth. Then he has his checklist. He has, as a religious, he has to do his rosary. He has to do his breviary. He has to do all these prayers. I asked him and Father Ron one question. Do you have a daily holy hour with no agenda where it's not a checklist? He's living his priesthood as a checklist. Okay, I did mass, check. I did my rosary, check. Um, I got through the chaplet, check. That is not intimacy. That is not intimacy. We asked him, Father, do you have an hour with no agenda where you go before the Lord and just open your heart and listen to him? Do you have that ever? And he said, no. And we said, well, you need to put that, you need to make that your priority. And he looked at us stunned, this beautiful young priest, a wonderful, holy, good man, and said, I can't do that. And I was shocked. And I said, why not? And he said, I don't have the time to add another hour. I can't do it. And what's wrong with him is not he's not yoked, even though he's doing all those good things and all those prayers. He's not yoked to Christ. So the burden, his left column is too heavy. And he's being squashed. And we told him, if you don't. Enter that intimacy in that hour. You're going to burn out as a priest like so many of your brothers. And he's listening and he's doing it. But it's the same thing with us. We can fall into a type of 
spirituality, which becomes a checklist and we feel good about ourselves. I went to mass, check. I went to confession, check. I got in my rosary, check. Wow, I'm doing really good. And you know what? That is good because it's a lot more than most people do. But you know what, my brothers? It's not good enough because it's not going to make you the bronze wall. And it's not going to make you true missionaries of the cross to live fully your identity as one with Christ. And the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit will not be able to flow through your lives to your families and to the world. So we go on to John 10, 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. He expects us to hear him. How can we follow him if we cannot hear him? Mark 1, 35 through 39. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him and on finding him said, everyone is looking for you. He told them, let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. We learned that Jesus had a vibrant prayer life. He looked for deserted, quiet places where he could listen to the Father and communicate intimately with him. All of Jesus's activity flowed from his interior life with Abba. The right column of your paper represents your interior life. Jesus tells us in the Gospels, what I tell you is what the Father has told me. All of Jesus's prayer was listening to the Father and giving all the people, all his apostles, what the Father gives him, which is one with him. Everything I come to share with you, I did not say I'm going to teach the men this month and let me figure out what I'm going to tell them. No. I go to the Blessed Sacrament daily and I listen and the Lord places things. And what the Lord places in my heart, what the Lord teaches me, is what I come and teach you and the rest of our community. It's not hard. It's just a matter of listening and sharing what I hear and what I learn from him. That's how our activity has to flow from our interior life. Too Many people and too many men, especially men, live the other way around. A lot of activity, lots and lots of activity, no interior life. 
So the fountain of grace, the fountain of the Holy Spirit is not flowing from the inner to the outer. It's carrying your yoke alone. And when you do it long enough, you have the same result. Drowsiness and burnout. But Jesus also teaches us something else. Jesus knew who he was, my brothers. He knew where he came from. His identity was solid. And he knew his purpose in life. Therefore, when his apostles come to tell him that everyone is looking for him, he does not go astray. He does not follow the people who want him, like him, are praising him, inviting him to dinner, and so on. He leads his apostles and centers them on their mission. He is the bronze wall. Therefore, he is able to protect and defend the mission given to him from the Father. He is not wishy-washy. And this is the kind of men God is giving each of you the grace to become and be in this community. I speak to a lot, a lot of women. I enter the most profound places of women's hearts. I enter, the Lord permits me, as if I enter the depth of their being. Women in our community and women outside of the community. Women that are consecrated women. And I hear the same sorrow of women. The greatest hidden interior suffering of women is that they are betrayed constantly by their men. Because the men in their lives have not been able to protect and defend them. And the woman's heart was created to be protected and defended by you the fathers, the spouses, the men. And most of the time, the men have no idea, like our fathers, that they didn't protect us or defended us because it's meant a protection of the heart. And here I go to the last part of the teaching, St. Joseph, who is an incredible incredible man, an incredible father, and an incredible husband. And I want to meditate with you that number 22 of our path. So if you have it with you, please look at it. This is a teaching Jesus gave us. And it says this. St. Joseph centered his life in prayer and silence. The first thing the Lord tells me is that 
The first thing he tells me about St. Joseph is that St. Joseph's life was centered in prayer and silence. He meditated on the word of God daily in humility, seeking no places of honor for himself. Hidden, he remained content. Through the humility and purity of his heart, he was able to see the purity and holiness of Mary. I want to stop there a minute because I, I jotted down six points that I felt were important in this teaching from the Lord. The first one, St. Joseph's life is centered in prayer and silence. The right column in St. Joseph's life on a scale was in place. The second thing, he meditated the word of God daily. He didn't meditate the word of God to see what he was going to teach others. I can't meditate the word of God to see, whoa, what's good here so that I can share with the community. I have to meditate the word of God as an intimate union with him to see what, and first of all, is in that word of God today that he's telling me. What does God want to tell me? What do I personally need to hear every day from the word of God? Then when he teaches me something, I share that with you. And every priest has to do that. He can't enter the word of God just to see what good stuff he can come for a great homily for Sunday or for the daily masses. Because then he's centered in his ego. But every priest has to enter, and you are the priest of your homes. What is God telling me as the priest of my home that I have to know today? St. Joseph prayed that way. The third thing. Jesus tells about St. Joseph. He sought no places of honor. How do you, my beautiful men, how if do you go and have an intimate holy hour with the Lord? I want to give you some suggestions. I want to teach you a little. For example, if I read that in the path before the Blessed Sacrament, I will put my book down immediately and look at the Lord and say, okay, my Lord, I want to know. I want to know the truth. How am I still living my life seeking places of honor? How am, am I fooling myself to think, ah, oh, that's not important to me? Let's be real. I want to be real with the Lord. My Lord, show me, really show me where the hidden life is not enough for me. You see, because the next point that God teaches us about St. Joseph, the fourth point is this. He tells us he was content in the hidden life. Now, 
If I am a mother of the cross and you are missionaries of the cross, if anything, like St. Joseph, we have to be content. The most vibrant part of our life has to be our hidden life. Therefore, I've got to come before the Lord and I have to undress myself before the Lord, making myself naked before my God and saying, okay, my Jesus, where do I seek places of honor? Where do I want that attention and how do I seek it? You see, that's being intimate with the Lord. That's being real with the Lord. And when we speak like that to the Lord, he listens and he shows us. Now, the next part of that teaching is this. The Lord says, when he learned that Mary was with child, all right, here's the burden, anxiety, tribulation in Joseph's life. Imagine Joseph finds out that his bride is pregnant. And he knows it's not with him. You're talking about anxiety? St. Joseph was had a great burden in his heart. But there was something important. He didn't escape the burden, the tribulation. He didn't get rid of it. The Lord tells us what he did. Through his humility, he entered the hiddenness of his heart and sought to know the will of God. It's as if, my brothers, I can see Joseph before God crying, spilling out his guts to God, trying to find out what happened. What is God doing? What should he do as a man? And he waits to hear. He waits upon the Lord to hear his voice, and the Lord gives it to him through a dream. That's how you are called, and I am called to live our tribulations and difficulties. This is St. Joseph. And then the Lord tells us what makes a great man. He says to us, this is what makes a great man. Each of you are called not to be good men. You are called to be great men. That's why the Lord put you in love crucified. And the Lord says to seek the will of God in all things. That means when you are down and out and you are burdened, and you are anxious, and nothing is going the way you planned it, and your jobs stink, and you hate your jobs, and you can't stand your boss, and they're persecuting you. What makes a great man is that you see God working in those difficult situations and you seek to know his will. You don't cop out 
you don't escape, you don't run away, you don't get drunk, you don't fill yourself with garbage television, you don't enter pornography, you enter prayer. That's a great man. And that's what each of you are called to be. And then the Lord goes on to say, when men let go of their human tendency to control and rely completely on me, that's what St. Joseph did, they will begin to possess the true power of God. St. Joseph embraced Mary as the mother of God and believed in humility. He embraced the mission of God revealed and contained in Mary most humble. He did not compete with Mary. God gave Mary. Mary had the mission. She had the, the child of God in her. He wasn't jealous. He didn't compete. He listened to the heart of Mary. He was intimate. They had a chaste relationship. But St. Joseph knew intimacy because God created men and women to be intimate first and foremost with him and then with each other. Something that's very common in men is in married men and maybe men that are not married is they want sexual what they call, and there can be sexual intimacy. But I would say what I hear a lot is men go and want a sexual pleasure, but that's not necessarily intimacy. The deepest intimacy is of the heart. Mary and Joseph lived a chaste married life. There was no sexual intimacy, but they had the greatest of intimacy because they learned to be one with Christ in the intimacy of the Trinity. They had the most, in Spanish, it's cariñosos. St. Joseph knew the heart of Mary. He knew the mission of Mary in her heart. And what did he do? He protected it. How did he defend her? How did he, by being, listening to her and by loving her, Mary as a woman needed that tenderness. She needed to be loved by St. Joseph, her husband. She needed intimacy with him. As men, I would say, one of the greatest places of difficulty, including the majority of priests, is to come to know true intimacy. And I challenge you tonight, my brothers, to work hard with your accompaniment, your spiritual directors, with your spiritual mothers, to yoke your lives to Christ, to work in the first column, 
to seek with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your might, true intimacy with Jesus Christ. Because only then can you become true missionaries of the cross. Only then will you be able to be that bronze wall like St. Joseph that can protect with Christ, his bride, your wives, your children, the church. So with that, I end. So I think you have a lot on that one paper today to really bring that paper to accompaniment and be real with your accompaniers and start there as a new year. I love you all very much and know that all the mothers of the cross and the power of our feminine hearts that have a great power to suffer with Christ are living that suffering mainly for all of you, our missionaries of the cross that we love with all our hearts. Okay?